Good morning, Northgate. Yes, we had a nice fresh coat of snow last night. We're excited to be getting into God's Word this morning, so let's pray. God, we pray that your truth would speak to us in difficult times and confusing times. Lord, we know that your truth is what we need, so I pray that you would speak to us. I pray this in your precious name, Lord. Amen. So we are in the book of Joshua, chapter 10. And I don't want to read through the whole story because I kind of want to vault off of that into some other things that I've been thinking about this week. But the story, if you want to read it or stop the video and go read the story now, because I'm just going to take three points from that story, was simply this, that Joshua now... And the Israelites have been attacked in the land of Canaan. They haven't been attacked necessarily, but those they made a peace treaty with, the Gibeonites, have been attacked. And we learned a couple weeks ago, even though they made a wrong decision in making that peace treaty, they were supposed to wipe them out, but they were deceived. Um, but they've made this deal, and in the integrity that of the deal, they have decided to defend uh, the Gibeonites here in chapter 10. It's five kings, these city rulers who have come together, and to get at Israel, they have attacked the Gibeonites. And as you read that, you can see that, and God says, go, go, and I will help you, and you will have victory. So Joshua gathers all the mighty men of valor and all the troops, and they actually travel all night, from Gilgal to Gibeon, which is about 20 miles, so quite a hike throughout the night. They get there, they ambush the enemy. God miraculously sends some hailstones to defeat more in the enemy than their swords will. And then seeing this great victory, Joshua calls out for the light to stay. In his words, the sun to stand still, so he'd have more time in the light to defeat the enemy. And God answers this prayer, and they rout the enemy, and these five kings are dealt with, and Israel is victorious. There's three things I just want to pull out. We need to have integrity to what we've said, so their deal with the Gibeonites, just to, uh, we need to just simply obey sometimes. Secondly, as they were going through the night, our faith causes us to endure even when it's difficult. And thirdly, as we see with the hailstones and the sun standing still, that God supernaturally helps us to have victory. So those are three things. You say, that's a short sermon. I can apply all those things in my life. But I really want to talk about those in regards to some of the present day issues we're facing. And I know there's a lot of sermons that are addressing our current state. And I've even done that a lot through the scriptures we've been in. But this week specifically, I think it's really appropriate and it would be really encouraging to speak directly into some challenges we're facing. I don't usually like to step into things uh, like this, maybe prophecy or end times or what does it mean, who's in control, what is right or wrong. But I do want to give these three principles that we've learned from Joshua that we need to obey, honor our word, we need to endure in faith, and we need to trust God for the supernatural to talk about where we're at. 
One of the things I'm very concerned about, and I've been listening to sermons and reading and talking to Amy, is there's so many lies swirling around. And no matter who you are, you're going to have to face the reality that you are being lied to. I heard that this week in a sermon, and I believe that's true. And it doesn't matter what perspective I take in the situation. It doesn't matter whether I feel more that the government's trying to control me or uh, I am worried about the virus, no matter where I am, and no matter the situation in general in the world at this time, that the media is so powerful that there is some truth in things, no matter your perspective, and then there is deception. So whether you're this side or this side, the issue is that even if we have good hearts and we're on either side, there's some deception involved because that is what the prince of this era, the devil does. He takes things and he spins them. He spins them. And people have great hearts. There's believers with great hearts. And in this time, I see that. And people talk to me and share things. And I see good hearts on both sides of the equation. But the problem is, how do we sort through in our life everything we're hearing, whether it's the news, but I don't just stop at the news, social media, Facebook, and whether you think you're, you have all truth, I bet you there is a little bit of deception in there. And so that's why we need, as we move into those three things, God's truth. And I would even say, and thinking and listening and hearing and praying about it, we need his word in season for this moment. We need God's word uh, and what the Holy Spirit would say to us in every situation, but especially in difficult ones where we don't know. There's only one thing true. Jesus said, I am the truth. And so we know his words, his stories, our truth, and how to apply them. The other thing that I've been thinking about, there's a lot of stuff going around about the end times and and prophecy and people sending uh, me things like this is indicating we're closer today than ever before and I would indicate yeah you're correct every day we're a step closer to the Lord's return to tribulation but the questions we have sometimes to be honest I think I'm not sure of some of the things I read about but there are some things I know I'm really sure about, and I want to present them to you today. And there are three things from our story that God has asked us to honor him by obeying what he's told us. Number two, no matter where we find ourselves, we need to have faith that will endure. And thirdly, that his Holy Spirit and the supernatural work of God will help us to bring us victory. Now I was thinking all of this, it's interesting, in the light of Revelation, the book of Revelation. And I might see Revelation as a little different than some people. I like to look at who it's written to, why it was written, not just to, to type out, to graph, to make timelines as we see in books, but what is the greater point of Revelation than trying to figure out where we are in the graph or the the time scheme. I think it's relational, God's relationship with us and what he's saying. And we need to know it was written 
to Christians, actually as you read it, you know, to the seven churches who are facing heavy persecution by a government, by a situation, the Roman government. And God is writing through this vision that John had on the island of Patmos, his spiritual experiences, a word of truth that they could apply into their lives. And as you look at Revelation, it's really interesting. God, in terms of application, which we don't think of often, says in chapter 1, verse 3 is, you're blessed to hear, but not stopping there, and doing the words of this prophecy. And it's interesting because in Revelation, as we hear, we see in chapter 1 who Jesus is. And we know Jesus in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, the carpenter, uh, the, the humble, the lowly, the meek. But also Revelation presents Jesus as in control, as judging, as knowing. Last night we had the fire on. We have two wood stoves in our house and Amy and I sat, sat looking at the fire and and the flames and the power of fire in the flame and it was snowing outside and the white pureness and that's in revelation one how jesus is presented in any time as we look forward as completely pure but that fire as cleansing and consuming and judging and you continue on in that picture of him as those feet of brass and uh, the sword from the mouth and in these pictures these eyes again of fire consuming what's not right but yet in love and he's in control and these people who are being persecuted needed to see christ as in control they needed to see christ relationally what they were going through is he is going to judge what is not right he is going to take care of the lies they didn't have to do that. He was going to do that. And the rest of the book is how he's going to come to do that. But even you look before how he does that, and you look in the chapters where he's writing to those seven churches, he's saying, he who has ears to hear, listen and do what the Spirit is saying. Interesting revelation. What was he saying to the churches? And I don't want to get into a big sermon about that. But simply to say, he's saying, don't lose your first love, endure persecution, don't compromise with what is truth, right? Don't live in sin, don't live in sexual immorality like Jezebel, don't live your Christian life as if it's dead, but alive. Don't work off your reputation, but walk in the spirit, walk in the truth. We look at the Church of Philadelphia as I've been through these thoughts another one walk through the open door keep believing keep persevering laodicea don't become lukewarm living for the things of the world and if you look no matter where we are in the history or in prophecy or what's going to happen god comforts his people in revelations by saying here i'm in control here's my picture do what i tell you do what I tell you, I'm going to come back and be victorious. What is it? What is he telling us to do? He's not telling us to figure everything out. He's telling us to love him, 
He's telling us to worship him. He's telling us to not live in sin. He's telling us to live full of the Holy Spirit. He's telling us not to be lukewarm. It's interesting, even at the end of the book in Revelation 22, here you have this prophecy, and it says this, now to do it and to worship God. Worship him. And a couple weeks ago, we were doing a midweek encouragement, and the whole thought in the midst of everything and how it can be so daunting and be so persecuting no matter whether it's illness or I think people are controlling me my job is to worship God to walk in the spirit to obey him to love him and to trust this picture of him that he will take care of the rest he will take care of me that that love will drive out all fear, whether it's fear of someone controlling me or it's fear of sickness or whatever my fears are. And in Revelation, these churches had great fear, but God is showing them through prophecy to hear and to do, not to necessarily to figure out. And if I'm in love and walking with God, I will each day as I walk, know what I have to do and not to give into the evil around me. You know, we look into the future and we say to ourselves, what will be? What will be? What if I have to do this and this? How about today? What do you have to do? Today, what is God calling you to do? He's calling you to love him, to worship him, not to sin, to walk in the spirit. That's what he's calling you to do today. And in those things, you have peace. And all the way back to Joshua, just honor God, be comforted by God, and do what he says. Do what he says. And they did what he says. They went. He said, go. And they went and they marched. And they marched. And what beautiful pictures in Revelation that we're just to do. Secondly, as we, we look in, into this time, and could you imagine back to Joshua marching along through the night? I get tired when it's 12. I know some like to stay up late, but two and three, we get tired. But here, they had to keep marching and keep going. They had to know what God had asked them to do, but their faith had to be with them to help them to endure in the midst of the affliction that they were facing. We all face affliction. There's revelation they faced affliction. Paul in the New Testament faced affliction, affliction of people, affliction of circumstances. It's a part of life. And at some times we face more affliction than other times. But I love Paul's response in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And maybe you know in verse 16, I'm going to read it to you. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and external weight of glory. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And you say, well, what was Paul facing? Hey, we're facing a pandemic. What was Paul facing? It's easy, easy to say that. But if you know his life and his story, and you look at 2 Corinthians, and you go on, and he gives that little testimony at the end of what he's been through, and famines, 
and stripes minus one and being beaten and shipwrecked and not sleeping and nakedness and hunger and persecution beyond maybe something that we would ever know. And that was Paul's life. And I look in Revelation at the people facing the Romans and what they had to face, being thrown into prison and dying. And yet Paul says here, and in Revelation, endure, persevere, I'm with you to do these things that our faith that we have in Christ not only looks for miracles, which we'll talk about in a moment, but our faith should be causing us to endure, knowing that our affliction for the moment is light. That the external is fading away, but internally we're being renewed day by day as we have faith. And again, marching 3 a.m., 4 a.m., this is a little bit of an affliction, maybe not for some, but for me, I know it would be. But they had to keep their eyes on what they had been called to do, and that was to endure. And God was going to bring the victory because he is eternal, because he is coming back, because he is good, because his kingdom is here now. And we believe that and we can endure no matter the affliction. It is for a moment. Maybe your affliction, you might say, has been longer than a moment. Look at the idea, and I need to look at this, and you need to look at this, that eternity, eternity is way beyond our understanding. And really, our life now is but a speck, and a year in that life is even smaller to eternity. But we walk by faith and not by sight to endure, to endure. That's the truth. Marching, walking, what is true, what is not true? Here's what's true. You need to honor God by doing what he says in his word today. Not giving in to sin, to loving him, to worshiping him, to walking with him. The truth of conscience of knowing who he is in his grace. Here's another truth that you need to know in the midst of all you're hearing today, no matter what you're going through, here's the truth, that your faith is there to help you to look beyond the present that you would endure in the power of God. Again, we love to hear things maybe beyond this or think that go deeper or show me more when the reality is the truth of Scripture cuts to the bone and marrow. It cuts through what is flesh and emotion to the Spirit. May the Spirit speak to us today this word. Finally, as Joshua is marching along, and it says in God's word so clearly that God supernaturally helped and it wasn't all about their effort. It wasn't all about their understanding. He killed more in the story of Joshua with hailstone. And Joshua then, his faith that had grown, was able to say, well, stop the sun. I need the light. God, I have so much faith. I've seen you work that you're going to bring victory no matter what the circumstance. I see you working and I can trust you. And I would say, for the supernatural that you will help us. Again, so often we're trying to use our mind 
which is good, but without spiritual wisdom and spiritual words that minister to our spirit, we're going to be dragged off left to right, right to left, to the next thing said, to the next thing that makes sense to our head, but without spiritual wisdom, spiritual, supernatural words, we're going to go astray. It's interesting, this week I read C.S. Lewis, who was brilliant, say these words, that Christianity that does not believe in the supernatural is simply religion. It's me trying to accomplish in my work to defeat the enemy, and our enemy isn't people. Our enemy isn't the government. Our enemy isn't any of that. Our enemy is the devil, but the only way to defeat that is through Christ. And think his supernatural work from rising from the dead and the power that he gives us to walk each and every day and the promise here that we know that we need to endure in faith and as we walk along that his supernatural help, his words and his ability will come to us as he sees fit, as we believe and trust that, we will know, man, do we ever need God's insight in changing times? And this isn't it. What's, what will happen in a year or five years or ten years? And if you think there's a lot of untruth now, as there's been in the past and Propaganda, whatever way, whatever side you look at, whatever you're thinking about prophecy and YouTube, YouTube has something to say about everything and Facebook has something to say about everything. But what does God say? And that's where we have to tune our minds to the truth of what he's written and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Because the devil's so good. Creating lies for good-hearted people and then creating offense and then the offense is what he wants and it creates division and it weakens his church and that's what makes me so sad so sad is we see all this offense and what we would say is these are solid people but there's offense because there's good hearts mixed with with the lies, but we need to know the truth. And these three truths of today, may you hold on to them. May they break through all things. And there's simply this, again, and I repeat them to bring them into our head, into my head, into your head. God wants us to hear and to obey. He wants us to hear, to obey, not crazy things, what he said, and simply they are, obey me, love me, Worship me. Don't live in sin. No. Persevere. Endure. Secondly, on note of that, our affliction is light and but for a moment, no matter what you're going through, because eternity is greater. And may we have a faith that causes us to endure, to march through, even when it's darkest before the dawn. May we keep marching, enduring, knowing there's something much greater. And eternity is amazing. Enduring even in this world, knowing that he is here to help us. And his help is supernatural, like those hailstones, like in Revelation, when he's going to come and judge. It's supernatural, my friends. 
and Jesus is supernatural, and Jesus lives in us through his power, the Holy Spirit. And as we endure in faith, that God will help us in supernatural ways in giving us his truth and showing us his ways and accomplishing them in ways that we never could as we trust him. Do you believe in that kind of God today? The kind of God who is oh so amazing, oh so real, supernatural Old Testament, New Testament, and supernatural today. And we need to hear from him. Praise God. Praise his name. Lord Jesus, would you help us to walk with you today? Lord, may we have the faith to endure trusting in your supernatural work. God, it's not easy. I know I'm confused. There's so much going on. There's so many lies. But Lord, I pray now that you would speak into our lives what is truth, what your word says, and that your Holy Spirit would bring forth the truth that we need to hear. We need a word, your word, in this season. May we be wise enough to look at you in your truth. And God, we ask for this supernatural wisdom, supernatural words, supernatural ability to do what you've asked us to do in the midst of any situation, but specifically this one. We pray this all in your precious and your holy name. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.